0: Greetings, building science enthusiasts, and welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by April Air, the trusted leader in indoor quality solutions. Through their understanding of consumer needs for indoor air
1: quality and HVAC channel expertise, they help home builders leverage the full value and benefits of healthy home solutions. April Air products meet the consumer desire for healthier, cleaner, more efficient homes. We've incorporated April Air products into our designs for years because they provide real value for engineered systems.
0: For their full product line, check out aprilair.com/BSP. That's air with an E. The first step towards a healthier home is at aprilair.com/BSP. Now sit back, relax,
1: and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome to this. Okay. Welcome Welcome to the building science to the building science podcast. 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 Welcome to the building science podcast.
0: Bringing the human factor to architecture and design. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas.
1: Okay. Okay, hello and welcome back, everybody. Hello and welcome back to the building science podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin, your host as always and i am not here today with uh, my trusty producer miguel he is home dealing with a fever flu thing i hope you feel better soon miguel instead i'm here with a a good friend and colleague on the building enclosure council of the local aia i'm here with trevor brown from j.e dunn and i'm going to make it easy for me and let you introduce yourself trevor
0: (laughs) thank you very much Um, my name is trevor brown with j.e dunn construction I've been in the uh, quality control side of construction for almost 20 years now. Wow. And for the last 12 years, I've been with J.E. Dunn Construction
1: as the quality control manager. And you just got selected for some, um, was it some sort of management Oh, I don't remember what's called. There was a like a contest with Je Dunn, and you got selected to go to a training somewhere. Oh
0: yeah, I was uh, I was actually the second person in the quality control department to run through their leadership training program. Uh, so that's a big
1: deal. Congratulations, yeah. and that was like a couple years ago or well, a year ago. Uh,
0: last year, yeah. So it was four training sessions. They're three to four days apiece, with the senior leadership of the company. Um, you read books together, you discuss the books, and then uh, they go through kind of what, what got them into their position wow. through leadership.
1: Yeah, And so there's no formal curriculum. It's just this open Q&A or discussion. That yeah, sounds
0: cool. There is a, a set curriculum for it, really it and we do have a training and development director right. who kind of handles that. Uh, they also bring in outside speakers who run their own firms or their own companies and give us leadership pointers and you know kind of talk about their leadership journey and uh you know one of the books we read was called uh what got you here won't get you there Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's kind of that process you know what got you into management won't get you into leadership so it's you know trying to trying to determine how what areas and aspects of your career you need to work on to get to a leadership position i like it and not just stay in middle management Mm -hmm.
1: so they're investing in you they've selected you carefully they've invested time and resources to train you to be a leader and they're training you to be a leader in QC is that right quality control yes that
0: is correct yeah so our our company structure is maybe a little bit different than most general contractors (laughs) Um, you know a lot of general contractors will have field and they'll have project management or operations and maybe pre-construction department and then maybe quality and maybe safety um, mm-hmm. w- ours is set up a little bit different. We have uh, what's called our, IPS department. So, it's, IPS, yeah, Integrated Project Services. All right. And we're kind of the support role, department, and so that covers safety, scheduling, quality, uh, lean and sustainability scheduling, and then our VDC and BIM department.
1: Right on. Hey, before we go farther, for you listeners. I should have talked about what the topic is. <laughs> so the yeah, introduction got right into the topic. Today we are talking about uh, the aspect of delivering buildings to ourselves that is, is not often talked about. It's, it's like we prefer to talk about uh, technology and systems and less about process. So we're yep. hoping to talk about process today, although Trevor knows an awful lot about enclosure consulting and products and materials. That's, that's part of your role because you just said quality control.
0: Right. I almost act as an in-house consultant for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the third-party skin reviews and product selections and dealing with the trade partners, coordinating details, drawing details. Oh,
1: you would draw your own details? Yes. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's just start at the beginning then. You sure. get a new project yep. and um, J.E. Dunn has a group of people that are going to interface with the owner. Mm-hmm. Are you part of that group? Typically not. Okay. It, it depends on the type of project. Mm-hmm.
0: So when, when we're going out to bid on a project and we're mm-hmm. going to interview mm-hmm. on a project, uh, depending on um, what the request for qualifications is or um, if, if quality is heavy in their requirements, they'll typically bring me on board. From day one.
1: Interesting. <laughs> what if quality
0: I'll, is not? A- <laughs> I'll go to the interview, uh-huh. right, and I'll be involved from the interview process through pre-construction, all the way through the f- the finish of the project. Uh-huh. Uh, if it's just a, you know, hard bid project where they know the owner is going to build it and then sell it, typically quality is not a, a high priority for them. It's more cost based, and so uh-huh. I, I'm typically not involved uh-huh. as early in that process.
1: There's a lot there. I mean, you can feel it. There's a lot there. We have this term, hard bid. Yeah. Which is a a polite way of saying it's not about the quality. It's about what it looks like. (laughs) It's about the
0: cost. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you said bid phase. Let's talk about that bid phase. What would be your role in bid phase? And wait, before you go there, what kind of projects are you usually working on?
0: Uh, Typically, here in the Austin market, we're doing a lot of uh, high rise student apartment buildings. Ah. Uh, healthcare, hospital work, um, K through 12.
1: Oh, fantastic. So,
0: schools, public buildings. Um, and then we, we also recently got a project doing a central utility plant for TFC.
1: Whoa. So, so these are big projects, big infrastructure projects. Yes. Wow. I,
0: we do a lot of office buildings as well. Office. High rise
1: office. Yeah. So, the bid phase. You, you just said you would be involved during the bid phase. What, what would your role be in that?
0: So typically, our, our pre-construction department so our precon managers, as they gather bids from the trade partners, they'll put them together in their bid tabs. Um, on the skin contractors mm-hmm. is typically where they'll call me in and say, "Hey, did this guy capture everything?" Ooh. Are these numbers whole?" And then, you know, if I've got four trade partners in the bid tab, they'll ask me to go through it with the precon manager to make sure they're not missing anything.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So a lot of times they'll, they'll bid on, say, a waterproofing system. And they'll tell them, hey, I'm using Carlisle Baritech. Well, that's only one component of a system. And so you need to make sure they have all the proper flashing, primers sealants,
1: mm-hmm. primers, mm-hmm.
0: and making sure they're not missing those.
1: Yeah. And do you end up uh, product neutral or do you end up with biases towards certain manufacturers' products?
0: Um, I definitely have biases towards manufacturers. Uh, from manufacturer Based on experience and mm-hmm. testing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not fair to say that all products don't have a place in construction or in the, in the industry. Mm-hmm. It's just that some are easier to install or some are simpler to install mm-hmm. um and some can be more complex mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and based on our labor market right now it's we try to keep it as right simple as possible yeah
1: yeah, yeah that there's another thing we we have uh keep it as simple as possible to make the labor market interchangeable in some sense correct, which is another aspect but so another differentiator between manufacturers that I experience both mechanical side and enclosure side is access to information mm-hmm. right some some of them it's easier some of them it's harder and that seems to be your one of your roles is you're helping information flow effectively in during the bid phase right
0: that yeah that's and, great. Then,
1: and actually you keep information flowing all the way through a project right
0: right so uh, as as the Pre-con managers are getting information in. You know, this is the basis of design, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll read through the specifications to make sure that the products submitted are matching All right. the, for the basis of design, and right. meeting the project requirements, um, and then dealing with the manufacturers. So I have good relationships with the manufacturers, technical representatives, and it's easy to get information yeah, flowing yeah. back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, between our team uh the the trade partners team and the manufacturer Mm -hmm. of the products
1: okay so remind me i didn't take notes on it but you said bid phase so you're supporting bids Mm -hmm. safety qc so you're doing a lot of things it's yeah so one project at a time how does that work no
0: (laughs) wow so we're set to break ground on 10 new projects this year oh my gosh uh and the total contract values are about $380 million. Oh, my gosh. And that's just in the Austin market. Um, so we're, we're getting ready to start those projects, and we, we won't bill that much for the year, but that's whew, the total contract values for those jobs. And some of those jobs will stretch out three mm-hmm, years.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I can feel it. There's a topic behind the topics that we're going to yeah. be talking about today, <laughs> which is how do you deal with multiple conflicting demands for your time and attention? How do you deal with multitasking? How do you... Stay sane and be a good dad and Oh,
0: yeah. Granddad. Yeah, that's the difficult part. <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently hired another person, so I'm in the process of training a, a pretty young new hire. Um, that's,
1: a, that, that's a lucky person.
0: Yeah, her name's Alex. She's doing a great job. Oh, and fantastic. then I have another guy starting in June, and he'll be dedicated full-time to one
1: project, a uh, big project here in town. Wow. And that'll be your point of contact. So you said... Yeah. You do bid phase support mm-hmm. sometimes or all the time. But uh, no, on every project. Okay, and then you do safety QC. What was another? Was well, it? we we
0: have dedicated safety staff. Oh. Now I'll do safety when I'm on site, but we so our IPS division. That's what it was. IPS yeah, division yeah, is, is doing. It's set anything, up not separately, yet. so there's a safety department with a separate safety manager. And
1: IPS was integrated project, project, project services, services. Yeah,
0: okay. and then we have a mechanical engine. Uh, an MEP mm-hmm. um, support staff person, oh, wow. a VDC support staff person, a scheduling support and staff And VDC person, is what? Uh, virtual design and construction. Oh, So that so covers... So it's like BIM kind of stuff. Well, it's BIM, augmented reality. There's some other stuff that they're working on. Wow. Uh, we have some proprietary systems that we use in our pre-construction that they deal with as well.
1: Wow, what a challenge. you give given me so many different directions to take these <laughs> questions. Um, Let's go back to the one that we're ostensibly working on, because augmented yeah. reality is obviously uh, interesting. something topic. I want to get into. but <laughs> um, So you meet the client, and let's, let's, um, let's just set a good high bar and say the client is very interested in quality. Okay. Um, and then how would that change? How, how would that change the early phase of your client communication? With, uh, it actually makes it a lot easier for us.
0: Because we know Whoa. that they're invested it's harder to do a... in the in the project. So like Seton, huh. we built the Seton Teaching Hospital. Uh, we knew the client was concerned about quality. They're going to own and manage and operate the building for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, when they're talking about designing and building a 100-year structure and, you know, 40-year windows and, you know, 50-year building skin. Uh, Go Seton. Yeah, you're trying to take those things into consideration. You're trying to pick durable, resilient materials uh, for that construction. Wow. You know, now...
1: Um, Don't say an alternative now, to won't, I won't
0: say any, <laughs> any names, but, y- you know, the, like the, um, the initial weather barrier on the project was uh, mechanically fastened mm-hmm. commercial building wrap. Oh, wow. Which is not a durable, resilient mm-hmm. material for a long-term project. And so we, we, you know, talked him into switching to a, a thick mill liquid applied Beautiful. weather barrier, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's stuff like that. You can have those conversations where, you know, money isn't always the driving factor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Long term value should be really important.
0: Right. And then the, the mock up process for a project like that is so much easier as well because you're able to build these big elaborate mock mockups um, and then you, you can test, test and test and retest. That is
1: awesome. So tell me a little more about mock ups. I hadn't thought about that as an important topic. Sure. But it is, isn't it? It's it, important.
0: Yeah, it's very important. Topic. So
1: it's not just what it looks like, it's how it's going to function. Right. So we. Spray uh, rigs can be applied to a mock up and so Oh, yeah. So
0: at JE Dunn, we'll, we'll test the mock ups, um, almost every mock up.
1: We don't. We what do you try, mean every mock up? There, there's like window assemblies, foundation assemblies, Yeah, on, on the
0: exterior skin, we're going to test them. Um, water penetration testing, air leakage testing, pull tests on sealants and right, peel right. and stick products, um, compatibility and adhesion testing, those types of things.
1: I love it.
0: And then the aesthetics will follow up later, but I, I get involved. I get, I get to have it from the start.
1: <laughs> funny. When I think of a mock-up, yeah. I think of it as an aesthetic component
0: Yeah, we try to not make it So you mean the
1: control layer mock-ups is what you got. Correct. Yeah.
0: And so, for instance, the Seton project, uh, one of my favorite ones. So we were building uh pre-manufactured wall panels at a warehouse off site. Really? Shipping them to the job and then flying them in place. And so wow. this is a system we hadn't built before. Um it was new to us, new to new to the designer.
1: Yeah. And new so, to the market
0: somewhat. Somewhat new to the market. I mean we prefab for a while, but it's just a different configuration and a different assembly. Um, But we were able to to build the panels at the warehouse, and then we did air leakage testing, water penetration testing um, on different components and different ways to assemble it to figure out what was the best potential outcome for the project. Uh, So once we finished that round of testing, we went to the manufacturer, who in this case was Tremco, Mm -hmm. and they were working with us. Um, They have a test wall facility in... Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. So we actually sent them the building components. They built a wall there at their mock up facility and then tested for uh, structural performance. Um, Whoa, like, what do you mean by
1: structural? They, they can put loads on it? Like yeah. Wind loads and stuff? Wind
0: loads, yep. Structural loads. Not seismic. No, they didn't do seismic. Yeah. But we had yeah. a, a one inch deflection joint from slab to slab oh. and they would test the joint movement capability. So they were testing for deflection, uh, structure, air leakage, water penetration.
1: Wow. Did you get to go see that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they uh, flew us up, uh, myself and another quality control manager, and witnessed the testing. That's
1: really cool. Spent a
0: couple days up there.
1: So every project gets a mock-up for all the critical control air components and connections, right? Wall, foundation, roof, wall.
0: Yeah, t- typically the projects we're building are, are bigger in scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, $5 million and up, we're probably going to build a mock-up. Yeah. Um, smaller than that, they might be more of an in-place mock-up mm-hmm. or more mm-hmm. of an aesthetic
1: mm-hmm. mock-up. Okay. And then so, you know, one of the, the main goals of this this episode today is to talk about, uh, I guess, information flow mm-hmm. on the job site to lead to good outcomes. But as we can tell already, it it starts before it gets to the job site. But when you just talked about an in-place mock-up, I imagine that would be used as a like a backdrop to a, not a backdrop, an interactive component of a training for installation. Is that right?
0: Yeah, the the in-place mock-ups are typically going to be finished work in place.
1: And so when it gets critiqued or tested in place? Yeah. Wait, wait, it's not the whole wall, though. It would be like you started and you're seeing how we doing, right? No, it could be a whole wall. Well, and so if you yeah. messed up, you'd tear it down? Yeah, we would have to tear it down.
0: Now, typically, we try to stay away from in-place mock-ups because you don't get as much value out of it. Um, so you don't, like, really call
1: it a mock-up. You just say, I started right. building. It's <laughs> the initial work, right?
0: And you're testing the initial work. Yeah. Um, but usually on cost-based projects with owners who are, strictly concerned about cost and schedule and, you know, delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll push for kind of an in-place mock-up. We really try to steer them away from that, do a standalone mock-up that we can test as the the structure's coming out of the ground. That way we can get all the lessons learned and apply them to construction uh, way before we even get there.
1: Mm-hmm. When
0: you're doing the in-place mock-up, it's too late.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. what, whatever lessons you're going to learn and whatever processes you're going to change you've already lost that value
1: yeah yeah what a shame um yeah it's a little bit politically sensitive but you know I'll just I don't like that idea that low first cost is a driver of construction (laughs) and yet of course it is you know it matters I was just uh, visiting family in uh, Switzerland in Basel Switzerland and was walking around some 700 year old buildings you know and I uh, realized there's probably no mock up for that but there was a yeah. like a, a guild there was a journeyman apprentice and a, a you could make a multiple generation career you know being a mason and,
0: you had skilled labor
1: yeah 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 so we were we're we you JE Dunn you know, other quality GCs are are put into a position where you need to rethink the construction process because of the labor pool changes and the material right. changes. And,
0: you yeah, know. It, you know, one of the because cost is a driving factor. You know, um, if you can't if you can't accurately manage the risk on the job, you have to price the risk, <laughs> right? So you, you either have to buy more insurance, or you have to know that you're going to have to additional management to monitor on site production. You know. So
1: really you're kind of balancing your risk options so if you can't manage the risk, that means if you can't be sure that the wall's not going to leak you're going to make sure you buy more insurance
0: yeah huh and the, and the the cost of insurance could be additional insurance, um some sort of subguard default insurance, and maybe it's additional manpower or management to help manage that
1: trade partner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting and a lot more oversight yeah a lot more oversight and you can actually have physical structures as insurance like a, a backup because you were, you were just looking at your phone right before this interview looking at a foundation detail and right. there were belt and suspender approach and, that's correct yeah but that's actually not going to help with low first cost no. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um, you're 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 involved in information flow let's say you've, you've gone through the bid phase. You've done a a great deal of work, which actually seems like an impossible amount of work to be doing on 10 projects at once, but you are, you're doing that. And then construction has started on these projects. Um, Let's say there is a mock-up. We have a quality project, Mm -hmm. quality concerned owner. Hooray for them. Yeah. Long-term owners is a good thing. And now what, what happens next with your role? You, You go to the site and you, You supervise the construction of the mock-up, or...?
0: Correct. Yeah, so as the mock-up's starting... uh, So, let me back up a little bit. Please. So, it's not just getting involved in bid tabs and sub-selection, material selection, but we also do a peer review on the drawings, so we're marking up all the Oh, my goodness. uh, Making sure we have the right details for the right application in the project. Uh, So, once we've vetted out that process, we do a sit-down with the architect, design team, owner... Do a page turn, discuss our concerns with constructability and detailing. Um, Then we start picking mock up components. Oh,
1: boy, was I ahead of the go. Yeah, you're way ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It starts way earlier. And so I don't want to go through all those in gory detail. We'll never get through this. But like um, the architectural, back and forth with the architect, is that fairly quick and transactional or is it retracted? Most of the project teams. You've worked with that architect or something?
0: Well, they they understand construction, but maybe not to the technical detail level that that I would typically handle. So a lot of time, they'll give me free reign to just, hey, call the architect, talk about the details. When you guys finalize it, let me know. We'll submit the RFI to get it written into the contract documents.
1: I see. And the architect will be redrafting based on your input. Yes, Uh typically. And so what else was in that that causal chain between bid oh. <laughs> and what, what, anything else? So
0: we're doing peer reviews, bid
1: tab reviews. And uh, peer review, let's not, stop there. That's in-house?
0: Yeah, that's in-house peer reviews.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then you said tab review? Uh,
0: bid, the bid tab review, which is uh, ah, all right, all right. selecting their subs numbers mm-hmm. and then also uh, material selection at that point. Wow. So steering a manufacturer... Uh, because a lot of times the trade partners have specific manufacturers that that they prefer to work with, which they, is legit. If you can yeah, and and a lot of times they don't necessarily. Oh, get... and they
1: get preferred pricing, not always what's best, but what they get preferred pricing. Exactly, it's
0: it's what's best for them,
1: uh-huh. and so
0: there's some uh, some back and forth between you know does it meet the basis of design does it meet the design intent do we need to submit substitution requests how do we handle that process Wow! so that's just a little piece of the puzzle as it's being
1: put together wow so I can, I can hear it and what you're saying that there's an awful lot of detail and um, expertise and choreography of information flow that could go right or wrong just in arriving at your CD set and a a budget or a uh, pricing estimate for your owner,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, we're typically looking at the DD phase drawings. We'll do the peer review around the 50% CD drawings, and then we're getting into that mm-hmm. kind of bid buyout phase.
1: Toward the end of CD.
0: Right. And? And establishing the GMP.
1: Say, tell me what GMP
0: is. Uh, guaranteed maximum price. Okay. Mo- most of our work is negotiated. Right, about
1: there you go. 80%. That, that's what I wanted to go to. So say you... You've done all this work, and you get to the GMP, mm-hmm. and it's it's a no-go moment. That number's too big. Even a committed <laughs> owner is like, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, what happens then?
0: Well, then you start the VE process.
1: The quotes, air quote. Yeah.
0: Everybody knows what that stands for, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Value elimination. <laughs> yeah. then we start eliminating value.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Um, or when they call value engineering. Is J.E. done...
1: <laughs> yeah i like that value elimination actually i don't like that um, <laughs> but it's true yeah it, it is sadly yeah reality. and
0: so the building skin is one of the first things to get hit or cut because it's you know it's the biggest target
1: mm-hmm. um interesting
0: you know on, on average i would say
1: mechanicals because they're out of sight and no one sees me-
0: mechanical is is also there mm-hmm. you know on the it's behind the wall yeah oh. the, the average cost <laughs> on the exterior skin of a building i was just looking at this Um, so obviously for different types of buildings, Mm -hmm. it's going to be higher or lower based on the mechanical systems finishes, that type of thing. But the overall average, when I averaged them all out was about 18% of the total contract value. Wow, 18% is on the building envelope.
1: Do you have a sense of what mechanical would be? Mechanical?
0: I don't have a sense, but I know it's higher. (laughs) It is. Okay. It is. Uh, Typically, Uh typically it's going to be higher. Now, now that 18%, is a big number. It's a big chunk of the contract value.
1: Mm-hmm. So you want to ring it out. Yeah, so they're
0: going to cut every bit they can out of it. Wow.
1: Especially anything that won't show up visually later. You know, I guess that's an awful lot for JE Dunn to be doing. And yet there's you still haven't got the green light, the go moment. Right. You got some fee that you've gotten paid to go through all that, right? You're not at risk. Oh. Are you at risk? <laughs> so or is there different ways
0: there? We we joke for sophisticated building owners and ones that are concerned about quality, they will typically pay you for pre construction services. Absolutely. You'll but get paid some for that. Won't. But for cost driven owners, you do free con.
1: Wow, not pre con. Free con. <laughs> free con. <laughs> right. Oh. Man, and you guys will do that. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, tell me, yeah. Uh, just out of those 10 projects, um, how many of them are free con and how many, just roughly, are, are, uh, are you getting some pre
0: I would say four out
1: of the 10 are probably free con.
0: Oh, okay. So, so most of our negotiated clients. Not uh, nine.
1: It's not nine out of 10.
0: No, it's not. But most, most of our clients were repeat builders you know they Mm -hmm, just they mm -hmm. just give us the next job and then we negotiate the price on it Mm -hmm. well that's good there's no typically there's no bid process for that so that that's a lot of our work Mm -hmm. and then the stuff that we do have to go competitive Mm -hmm. on um, a lot of times you have to negotiate the pre-construction Mm-hmm. Service
1: costs. Right. So wow.
0: you, you'll recoup some of that money, maybe not all of
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see on the other end of construction now some questions. Let, let, let's get through it now. So, so we, got, we got through pre-con. You, yeah. Naively, I thought we were through it a <laughs> little bit ago. All right, and so, so, so starting you,
0: construction. Yeah,
1: you're starting construction. Tell me how your role is. And, and, you know, please try to bear in mind what I'm looking for are um, tips or information for people to, to to think about a good construction process. Okay. So what are you doing next? Now that you've gotten the green light and you've got a good recipe, your CD one hundred set.
0: Yeah. So now we're we're trying to set the project up for success, and and again, I mainly deal with building envelope.
1: Mm-hmm, that's fine.
0: Um, so, as concrete starting, so dirt work starting, foundation work starting, concrete starting, uh, we're we're. Writing up the quality control plan, the quality action plan, wow. uh, verifying what tests we want to perform on the building skin, how many tests we want to perform. Um, we and do, you
1: reuse those QA, QC plans, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, They're specific modify. to
0: every project, but yeah, we just modify them. Mm-hmm. So we have one called the quality action plan. That's where we identify all the mock-ups required, uh, test requirements, hmm. um, and then what to look for on the project. Because I'm only one quality manager, I can't be on 10 jobs at the same time. Yeah. So I'm working with the project engineers to develop these documents and then working towards uh, field verification.
1: All right. And now it's starting to go up out of the ground. Yep. So now we're we're
0: starting to build a mock-up. So we've got submittals are in, being reviewed and mm-hmm. hopefully approved. You try to get the submittals approved before... You start construction of the mockup. Doesn't always happen. Uh, so now, we, so now we've started the mockup process. You've got the mockup built. I'll typically be out there monitoring the build of the mockup, mm-hmm. just to verify the steps, the sequencing, coordination between details.
1: And um, someone on the you're in J.E. Dunn's installer. Supervision team is watching your Yeah,
0: supervisor. we'll typically have a skin superintendent assigned to the task as well. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of times that guy's also in charge of the structure, so he's trying to coordinate Oh really? Yeah, concrete, skin, foundation work as well as stopping in and you know, putting an eye on the mock up. Wow. But most of the time I'll mo- I'll watch it, go through the process. We get it to the primary weather barrier layer. And then that's where we start water testing.
1: Mm-hmm. And is that a J.E. done testing company or a third party?
0: Uh, so we've handled it a bunch of different ways. Um, if the project ha- and, and the owner and the design team have budget for it and they require third party testing, then we'll hire a third party testing company to come in and do the test. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not paying anybody for it and they're looking for us to do it as part of a quality control measure, then I will perform the testing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I can feel it that it's um, it's one of those where it cuts both ways because you know collusion could be right. involved if you're testing your own work, and yet y- who cares more than you in some sense? You could also argue that
0: we we own the most risk on the building. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I know contractors have gotten a bad name over the years but the sophisticated contractors the the good reputable contractors they know that they have to build quality buildings
1: Um, what's the wise relationship with risk for a contractor what's the way I, i just like that term we know we own the risk so so basically we
0: own the building um for the 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 limitation for the statute of repose in the state of construction, right? So in the state of Texas, it's ten years. Is the, the statute of, of repose.
1: repose? right? That's
0: that's the time duration on which you can be sued.
1: Of repose. It so sounds we, so relaxing. We
0: own the risk <laughs> for ten years.
1: Wow. Basically, for ten years. Yeah, and we know and, that. And so you that that and that that's like a game face moment, isn't it? You know, you know what I mean. It's like. A, hey, don't pretend we don't. We do. Right. Because, you know, if the building leaks, who's
0: the first person that gets called? Yeah. It's the contractor. Trevor Brown. It's not the same it's the skin. And it's the skin <laughs> guy, right? So, you know, they're not going to call their, their maintenance guy and say, hey, go fix the window. The maintenance guy's going to go, well, this building's only two years old. It shouldn't be leaking. I'm going to call the contractor. Yeah. It's the contractor I get the phone call. Well, I'm going to call my trade partner who put the window in. And we're all going to go out there and look at it
1: together. Mm-hmm. And the roof, is that part of the skin? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I know it's on the exterior, but in my mind's eye, yeah. I mean, I've been thinking wall, wall, wall.
0: No, it's it's the six sides. It's everything, so yeah. Below grade, slab, roof, okay, and the all four all six walls. sides. Yeah.
1: The boundaries. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've been talking about all the good stuff. Does anything come to mind on like common pain points or where things go wrong, or uh, maybe lessons learned? Yeah, I think during this part going up,
0: you know? yeah, the the process going up is you really have to select the right materials for the right application. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the biggest issues I run into. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking for durability and, and resiliency on your building, but you put in a thin mill system with CEFS or EFIS um, and residential windows, it's not going to perform the way you expect it to. Yeah. You know, and especially on these... uh,
1: And SIFS is the new version of EFIS or EFIS. Yeah, it's just a Uh
0: rebranding is all it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So we run into like a lot of uh, high-rise multifamily construction, you know, student housing, apartment buildings, those types of things. You know, where they expect this beautiful building that'll perform for 10 years, but they pick the cheapest, cheapest, crappiest materials that you wouldn't put on your house <laughs> and they expect it to work. Yeah. You know, but a lot of times they're not understanding the full picture. The, yeah. The pressures are different at level 18 than they are at level oh, 1. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and it's how you design the building, how you expect it to function, is one of the biggest problems I run into.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We refer to that internally here at Positive Energy as the the movie set dilemma. Yeah. It's like ultimately what they kind of want is a movie set, it's right? Like just does it look good? Does it look, but not for ten years. They want an actual building. So you're, you're going up out of the ground, and so you, you said that choosing crappy materials is one problem. It seems like the, there's always going to be a tension and an interplay between you wanting quality and someone else, uh, um, I want to say on the hook, but I try not to use that term, but responsible for schedule. right? And you guys yeah, yeah. are, uh, you people are pulling against each other, like, hey, be, be, take your time and do it right. No, no, no. Get it done, yeah, um, so is schedule a pressure a problem? yeah, schedule is a big problem
0: for me. you <laughs> know, it goes back to the old saying is you know you can get safety, schedule or quality, you can only pick two, right, two out of the three. most people pick safety and schedule mm-hmm. over quality, and so there's a there's a big disconnect on why can't we get all three, and a lot of it comes down to what we just talked about with. You know, material selection, picking the right products for the right application, and then also subcontractor or trade partner selection. Mm -hmm. Do you have the right guy doing the right job? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where we run into a lot of problems as well. Is Yeah, and turnover in the trades. Yeah, you have an unskilled labor force, and you're trying to build these complex, beautifully detailed buildings, and you got guys that were maybe laying sod last week or waterproofing this week. You know, and it's it's a difficult discussion to have while you're still trying to maintain quality and safety and schedule.
1: Man. (laughs) So, I mean, that that's just um, stops me in my mental tracks. (laughs) I mean, I, I know I knew it's true, but to hear you saying it like laying sod last week and waterproofing this week and it's not fair to them. It's not right. fair to our society in some ways. I mean, I was thinking about the Switzerland model again, right? You know, there's, you know, there's thousand-year-old buildings, and and that changes the culture. That changes your experience mm-hmm. of that environment. Like this building has history, and what does it mean to live in a culture where it's like everything's built in this sort of disposable format? Right. You know. Yeah. You know, we're in the weeds now in terms of construction, <laughs> but it's very interesting. So, but that's a pain point for the business model of J. E. Dunn. That seems like it could go away by saying, well, we'll just hire people and keep them as employees for decades and they'll be really smart and know their stuff. But then that's expensive and then you're not competitive. Right. right. So what about subcontract versus uh, employee of the general contractor?
0: Um, is it
1: a 50-50 split? Most of the em- laborers yeah. are not employees. How does that, how does that go down?
0: So a lot, of, a lot of the big general contractors aren't builders anymore. They're just uh, construction managers hmm. or contract mm. managers, right? Mm-hmm. So you hire a a big, sophisticated, and reputable contractor. Well, they might do concrete and they might do rough carpentry, but a lot of them won't do framing, sheetrock, waterproofing. Builders don't build anymore.
1: But, and there's not even one person in, yeah, in they, the company. they manage
0: trade partners, mm-hmm. right? So we're we're in the process of trying to develop a self-performed crews for, uh, concrete mm-hmm. specifically in this market. Um,
1: self-performed crews for concrete. Yeah. And you but know, not, not every not everything associated with it.
0: Right. And, and in some of our, uh, more established labor markets, we do self-performed masonry and, uh, millwork and casework. And, um, we'll do self-perform, uh, concrete and, and framing and stuff like that. but, not in this particular mm-hmm. labor market, so That's we do have to settle on qualified trade partners, mm-hmm. and we have some in-house uh, risk assessment tools we use for that, and we have a program um, wow. called SMS for our subcontractor management system, where we assign you know ratings to them. We check their backlog, check their you know, their bonding capacity. Yeah. You know, so we, we go through a, a vetting process mm. to to get the best qualified trade partners, but it doesn't always change the labor situation in the field.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about that leadership uh, training or group that you yeah. were talking about. These must be the issues that are alive at those meetings. <laughs> well, and just thinking about the self-performed crews, um, would you say, in your opinion, that that bringing on more self-perform is in its ascendancy? De- is it descending? Is it stable?
0: Uh, right now it's ascending. Uh-huh.
1: It's and on, yet It's it, on the rise. It obviously descended, um, you know, I, I keep during the going. recession. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a hundred years ago, like, you know, GC would actually be the general contractor. Right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And so it's descended during the recession. You mean the 2007-8? Yeah, but um, or the you know, thirties. <laughs> well, actually,
0: yeah, you brought up a good point. You know, a hundred years ago, the contractor would be the contractor, and you would probably have one contract with the general contractor, mm-hmm. and they would build your building.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but everything's getting so you know because of the the legality of the state of construction, everybody's gotten specialized. Yeah. And I think the general contractors have you know gone back to that risk management tool of. I'm going to hire this guy to do this specialty trade work, mm-hmm. and then I'll just manage the contracts. Yeah. And I, I think the legal world has kind of forced that model. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking
1: this. Thing. So I'm looking to interview a guy we both know, Joe Bash. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> relatively
1: soon on this, the importance of contracts. And now I was, But I was trying to do sort of the chicken and egg causal chain, right? So the legal mm-hmm. world has changed the general contracting world. What's changed the legal world? There's probably cost first cost right oh yeah so it really does boil down to i want something but i don't really want to pay for all the costs associated (laughs) schedule can be a problem and picking bad materials can be a problem what about communication obstacles any it seems yeah. like good grief! You only got one mouth. You got ten projects and how many subs.
0: Yeah, uh, you know with the everybody trying to use email as the main communication tool, <sighs> it's just a mess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your inbox looks like, but it, it's terrifying. Yeah, I've probably got two hundred in there right now, just waiting for me to look at them. Um, you know, and probably well, thank you for
1: answering mine and for being here by the way. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and there's probably fifty to sixty of those that actually require a response or yeah. some sort of input from me,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the rest of them are just, you know, copy, copy, somebody on the
1: email chain. There's also construction management software tools, right? That oh yeah, are they helpful? I mean, I've been associated with several projects that use them, and in the course of the project. They'll send me two or three different logins to different software tools. You know, I'm just single family residential, so maybe a year, year and a half construction. Yeah. And I'm like, does this mean implicitly that you didn't like the tool you had before, nor the one before that? Good (laughs) grief. Yeah, we, we have a lot of different software
0: tools that we use. The are business. they
1: proprietary, or do you custom-built no, for you? I mean,
0: a lot of them are custom-built for us.
1: Yeah, um, for J.E. Dunn, because you're big. You're yeah,
0: so we use CMIC as our main construction management tool, um, and that handles our And that's a J.E. Dunn
1: so custom tool, or no? No, you or, can buy
0: Oracle that. built it. Okay. It's customary. They've customized it to J.E. Dunn. Uh, but I think there are other general contractors that use it as well. Um, so that's kind of our main construction management tool we do contracts RFIs stuff like that in there and then we have a license agreement with Microsoft where we use project websites hmm. and that's where we house all of our documentation for the job because we try to be paperless
1: mm-hmm. but it still doesn't help your inbox at, at no because
0: you get emails on all the updates yeah, and, the yeah, changes exactly. and Yeah. yeah
1: so my- the, the communication
0: tool um, you know the, the communication is great on the management side, right? So the project manager communicates real well with the trade partners project manager, and they communicate really well with the architect and probably the owner. And then from that core group is where you start getting some of the disconnect. The the communication from the project manager to the superintendent, the communication from the superintendent to the field superintendent, and then the communication from that assistant superintendent to the trade partner and then the communication from the trade partner to the labor and that's where you really start to see the breakdown in the chain and it's where you also start to see the language barrier come into play Mm.
1: so those either listening if you just want to rewind 30 seconds and listen to that a few (laughs) times i'm serious trevor that was so well said and um so important It's such an important thing it's like a emperor has no clothes moment it's not said enough in my opinion what you just said but um it's interesting how you said it somewhat dispassionately like it is what it is i'm just so but actually man it's hard but it's not you know and, and so we go through a lot of
0: um extra care in trying to make sure that the labor is trained so when we when we accumulate our lessons learned from the mock-up uh, typically, it gets incorporated into kind of a, a little skin book, basically oh, a building cool. skin book. And we'll try to identify the lessons we learned, document them, mark them up on our BIM model. And then that, that kind of workbook, we take out to the field and give it to the field guys. Boom.
1: So it's like, this is, what is this is where it usually goes wrong. Watch, yeah, watch it, this spot.
0: And, and a lot of times it's not perfect because, you know, they may not... Um, understand English and I have a hard time communicating in Spanish so I'll have to get you know a translator or a third party to come in and kind of moderate the conversation but it's it's getting better mm-hmm. you know um, I've definitely seen it getting better uh, particularly in, in the last five years I've been here you know it's gotten substantially better just, that's, just that's the a the big amount statement of, the amount of warranties and the amount of callbacks on buildings has been drastically reduced Hooray for you. Hooray yeah. for us as a society
1: on doing better. It's starting to go better. <laughs> so, and do you see that as a long-term trend generally, that skins will get better? I, I do. Um, Maybe legality I, isn't I tied into that. Enough lawsuits cause enough pain that Yeah. The even, kind the, of forces, even the hard bid projects are like, yeah, I'm a hard bid, but I don't want to get a lawsuit. I... Yeah, and and we've turned down work from
0: owners like that. Um, who p- tried to give us projects and would, would tell them, just, I can't make money on your job. You're a pain in the ass to work with. I don't want to do it.
1: That's bold. <laughs> yeah, we as a company are deciding, do we talk like that? Do we, We're still trying to grow. So yeah. <laughs> tied in here is, um, I think it was last year, maybe it was 2016, McKinsey Consultants did a big report on the state of the construction industry. I don't know if you saw that. It was fascinating, but something like uh, eight trillion dollars in um, basically lost value that people mm-hmm. were paying for that, that wasn't getting put into the job site, and and it was based on exactly that that causal miscommunication chain that you were just talking about, where the management team has good communication, and it's sort of like the recipe maker had good communication, but then within the kitchen. Things fell apart. Right. And, uh, McKinsey's, you know, big point there, and I will put a link to that in the show notes. Was, good grief! This has lost money, right? This, mm-hmm. th- these are there's real impacts from this. Yeah, you know when the the, uh, hmm.
0: the lean, movement started. Are you familiar with that? I'm
1: familiar with. It. I don't I'm not familiar with when it started.
0: Well, so for me, um, I didn't know about it until probably, I don't know, twenty eleven. Somewhere around there, mm-hmm. twenty ten. Yeah, that's probably
1: when I learned about it.
0: Yeah, so you've got this big lean movement coming into the construction industry. Now it worked great in manufacturing. Do you want to define it real quick. Uh, so lean is just um, plan, do, check, act. Mm-hmm. You know, a continuous uh, cycle of improvement. I guess mm-hmm. is the easiest way to sum it yeah, up. Yeah, well said. So you know it works great in manufacturing. You you plan it, you do it, you check it, you make changes. You plan it, you do it, you check it, you make the changes, mm-hmm. and you have this constant improvement cycle happening. Um, and as we're trying to mold it into construction, uh, it's because there is a need for it. You know, construction is one of the most ineffective uh, practices or processes in our society.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, well our said. our uh, well said.
0: we haven't improved at all. <laughs> you know, our efficiency is still at forty percent thirty five percent.
1: How is that measured? Do you know?
0: Uh, we were trying to. I think I forget who did the labor study, but it was based on like an eight hour man, eight hours of work for for a man. Oh. How much actual work in place gets put in place? Wow. Right, and how do you track that? So if you have if you have a guy on site for eight hours, he might get three hours the worth of work. Three
1: man hours worth of work done. Man. Yeah. Wow. So that yeah, that is fascinating and big because. Uh, we're seeing a lot about pre-manufactured buildings. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think what you're seeing is y- your industry, and our societal institution that delivers buildings to us, wrestling with that, wrestling with that inefficiency, and wanting to change. But you know, on the Seton project, you did prefab. Mm-hmm. Um, which put you in more of a manufactured building mode, right? You took a prefab module and assembled it on site. Because ultimately you can't not assemble it on site. I mean, I guess you could have like a squadron of army helicopters and just drop the completed building. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, and if if anyone's familiar with the the job site there, you know, we had um, active construction on two of the sides. You have 15th Street on the front side. And then you had um, a road under construction on the fourth side. Oh, my gosh. So you really had one point of access to the job site, uh, seven cranes on that one parcel of land. Oh, my gosh. Three were ours, two were our neighbors, and the other two are our neighbors. Oh, my gosh. And, and you and they were within the swing radius of each other. So you're coordinating crane activity with your neighbor.
1: And, so, and it so, wasn't all J.E. Dunn, was no,
0: it? No, it was not J.E. Dunn. Um, I think oh. Ansel Phelps and uh-huh. DPR were right there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, or maybe it was Beck. But you're, you know, you've got this. There's your symphony of crane movement, right? Yeah. Um, so we didn't have any site to to actually do construction on site. I mean, we could.
1: Oh, so bring it wasn't it wasn't about ground. this manufactured building. No, it approach. was a necessity.
0: <laughs> it well, and it was an aggressive schedule. So, you know, when we set up the uh, the site warehouse, and we could pre-manufacture so many of the wall panels. You know, we made common sizes. We figured out how many we could manufacture in this common size range. Um, And then we uh, framed them, sheathed them, waterproofed them, and put in the windows. Wow. And we were able to test the windows on site before they left. And the windows wouldn't break from shear stress being transferred? No, we did learn some lessons on how to stack them, that's for sure. Uh, So we tried just kind of stacking them at an angle. Uh Uh, Not quite a... 45, a uh, little
1: like 22, 20,
0: uh, yeah, 22 degrees or something like that. And, and we had foam wedges on all these panels, but the sheer weight of them, as you started stacking them together, was crushing the sheathing and pushing the foam through the sheathing. Oh, <laughs> so we did learn some lessons, had to go back and uh-huh. you know do some repairs, but uh, it worked out great. So we were able to control the quality on you know the thickness of the liquid applied weather barrier. Um, we were able to basically watch all of the windows get installed, stripped in, installed, mm-hmm. and then we were able to water test um, you know, a percentage of them on site yeah. as, as production was being done before they got shipped to the job site. And we also pre-manufactured the head walls, the foot walls, and all the bathroom pods at wow. the same warehouse, and then trucked them in and flew them in place.
1: Wow. Yeah. So the wet walls were assembled in a in your in warehouse. the warehouse. Yeah. That's so cool. So we yeah.
0: had we had, f- I think six guys, frame probably ninety percent ninety percent of the building.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, there's the, the question here, and I love it. That that's profound, by the way. Yeah. Should, six guys frame ninety percent of the building. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Now, they were getting good efficiency. Yes. Good man hours. But the underlying question that's really interesting is that this was done because, at least you're saying, because of the job site mm-hmm. constraints, not because we recognized that pre-manufactured assemblies would help with efficiency. Yeah, we if probably... If you had a greenfield, you wouldn't have done it.
0: No, we probably would have did a more traditional
1: method. Uh-huh.
0: Now, another aspect of pre-manufacturing that stuff
1: was it did speed up the schedule really and overall, yeah,
0: overall. and because you're getting
1: more efficiency in the warehouse exactly aren't you, aren't you? Yeah. And,
0: and we knew that going into it
1: so so why don't you do it not
0: job? just a tight site but an aggressive
1: schedule. but it costs more and I'm a quality owner right quality focused owner yeah.
0: and it's hard to find you know a size and space to do that type of mass mass production
1: Right. Yeah, did you rent a warehouse? Yeah,
0: we had to rent a warehouse. And then proximity to the site, how do you ship it, how do yeah. you truck it, how do you pick it off the truck?
1: All that, you had to develop systems and procedures yeah. to do all that. Right. And now they're developed, though. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is it seems like, you know, you say things are on their ascendancy as far as quality, and then may Pre-manufactured helps with quality, so it seems mm-hmm. like pre-manufacturers can become more mainstream. It, what do you
0: think? It is. I think it is starting to become more mainstream. I, you know, there are other because uh, of contractors doing it. Um, why?
1: Why is it becoming more mainstream? Is it cost? I guess cost benefit, liability, risk management benefit.
0: Yeah, from a from a contractor's money making plan, right? So as a general contractor, oh, you mean you exist to make money? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's it's okay to say we're yeah, here to heck make yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, <heck> yeah. <laughs> we're not doing work for free. Yeah. You know, so as part of the cost model I, um, and how you generate revenue and how you maintain your fee, um, and and prevent that fee erosion, you know, with quality issues on site, I do see an increase in
1: pre-manufacture.
0: Um, and is that when
1: you can do it? Do you think you know Dpr, Hensel Phelps, Beck? They're all having that same. Oh yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah, I think so. I wonder if they're all start sharing manufacturing facilities, <laughs> becoming assembly. <laughs> so I, I don't know how we did it, but somehow it's already an hour. But I wanted to go back to the one of the things you talked about yeah. earlier on. You talked about your VDC, which was what your virtual de- virtual
0: design in construction.
1: And then you mentioned augmented reality in there. Yes. Or can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah. So we're
0: in the process. We bought um, the augmented reality systems Mm -hmm. right so the i don't know what they're called the google goggle eyes or whatever thing yeah and so um they're in the process of of making these virtual models that you can basically walk through uh in augmented reality Mm
1: -hmm. i I would like you we'll follow up i want to get a contact if you know and i want to interview somebody about that
0: yeah our um our um BIM manager in Oklahoma City is piloting
1: it right now. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm on residential, but still. I mean, I do mechanical design. I would love to be able to give people the, whatever the raw file type is that yeah, feeds oh, yeah. into those and say, you know, here's the file. If you want to use it, it's up to you. Well,
0: and, and basically you can walk through the space yeah. without it being built. Yeah? yeah. And you can walk up to a wall and
1: see the plumbing in the wall, and the wall's not there yet. So you, clash detection would be a classic. Yeah, good. clash detection. And that, you, do you use like differential GPS or something on a job site to? Um, yeah, they would. probably... You know I'm most, yeah, they most likely we use total stations,
0: so it would. You can map, or grid out your your project's footprint, and then you would put that into the system and build your cloud points, and then you would be able to map where everything. That's goes. so
1: cool. To within what, accuracy. Oh, we, centimeters. Really?
0: Yeah.
1: That is amazing. I think we covered an awful lot of ground. Do you have any final comments, any final thoughts?
0: Uh no, this is uh this is a great great experience for me. I really enjoyed it.
1: It was a blast. It really was. Thank you yeah. everyone. Yeah, and thank you. you all for listening. Talk at you soon.